Station. I can't get no call to action, but I try and I try and I try and I try. Hello and welcome to Call to Action, the go-to podcast for anyone trying to make sense of the world of marketing, business and beyond. In an industry that is a minefield of utter bollocks, we aim to capture our heroes and allies from the front line to have a chinwag with. It's like Pokemon Go, with the single but vital exception that it's not a short-term bandwagon of shite. It's brought to you by Gasp, and I'm Giles Edwards. Today I've caught Dave Harland. Copywriter and mess-abouter with massive fingers... Dave helps businesses and brands speak to people with more personality via the medium of the alphabet. His favourite part of it all is getting paid to be silly. Remember the Accrington Stanley ad? You should. Dave's all-time favourite, it made him think milk was some superpower juice that would make him grow up to be like Ian Rush. Well, today's the day. Long-time listeners will note that much like Rush re-signing for the Reds, this is his second call-to-action stint. Dave says since 72% of clients don't know what they want until they see it, and 86% of briefs aren't worth the bog paper they're printed on, and 104% of copy is totally subjective, much of the craft is based around a clumsy, sweaty fumble in the dark. And on occasion, it blows your face off. Welcome back to the show, Dave. Thanks, Ron Giles. Pleasure to be here. It's normally seven quick fires, but I think there's a few extra. So, number one, cup of tea or G&T? G&T, definitely. Tank or Harley? Oh, Tank. Yeah, definitely Tank. That was my nickname at school, Tank. I was I was the best at British Bulldog. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, words or copy? Oh, man, good show Still words deep down, but the grown-up me is edging more towards copying them. Andy Maslin or Call to Action alumni Drayton Bird? Oh, that's a tough one. I've met both of them. Both seem sound. I think just because of his kind of longevity and deep-rooted wisdom, it's got to be Drayton. The Choice Factory or Copywriting Made Simple? Choice Factory. Just opened my eyes to stuff that wasn't just copy. Amazing. A size 5 Mitre Delta Casey or a Magic Set? <laughs> Casey, definitely the Casey. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't play football as, as well as I used to because uh, I've done my ankle in, but yeah, still love football. Blasting those really wet, full-size Casey's into the school windows and getting told off by the teachers. Great memories. Right, two more. Uh, Liam or Noel? Again, it's changed. I never used to be able to stand Liam, but it's Liam now. I like him more than Noel. I think Noel's gone a little bit off the boil for me. So, yeah, Liam. Oh, really? See, most people seem to have gone Liam to Noel. I switched. I never liked his swagger years ago, whereas now I quite like his his no-nonsense. And I think Noel's just a bit safe now, and I quite like the edginess. Fair enough. Right, last one. Betting on hedgehog duels or bringing a flamethrower to work? I think it's the hedgehog jewels, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's the one. That's the story that 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 got more likes and comments and got me more business. Anyway, so definitely the hedgehog jewels. So I'm going to ask you more about hedgehogs in a sec. So Sound. to start the show, so we normally ask every guest about their path to where they are now. Uh, so we're, we're going to link in the show notes to your first call to action episode, which was it was almost 1400 days ago episode 17 and that gives the lowdown of, of your first jobs what have you been up to 
since then? And how does it involve hedgehog duels? <laughs> well, a lot's happened since then, hasn't it? We've had yeah. yeah, a bit of drama involving a pandemic. And more recently, me and my fellow copywriters' jobs are under threat from our diligent robot overlords who will say and, and write anything that we, we prompt them, but usually in a really, really boring way. Um, so, yeah, so going back, the last time I was on the, the pod was 2019 or late on in 2019. I remember listening to it on my honeymoon. You sent me the link. Um, so that was like September 2019. And then, yeah, a few short months later, six months later, we were all in lockdown. And I suppose for me, I mean, for those who don't know me, I'm probably you know most active on LinkedIn in terms of my own marketing. So the lockdown in 2020 was the first time I really noticed, you know, there was doom and gloom everywhere, like marketing-wise. There was all of these CEOs of companies crawling out the woodwork. It could be like a product I hadn't bought for eight years. And then it's like the CEO of this random company dropping into my inbox saying, hi, we really care about you at the moment. And it was just all kind of really insincere. So I thought, right, let's do a few little parrots these are these everyone's quite somber at the moment so i think this this call for keeping the mood up a little bit or certainly keeping the mood a little bit lighter than than it was so that's what i did i kind of um i mean i, I used to well, i used to write stuff with you know i try and include quite a bit of personality and silliness i suppose but i really went all in on the humor from the start of the lockdown you know, I switched my strategy up to really attract more of the clients that wanted to do that fun stuff and get to alienate the clients who would never entertain that that kind of approach. And it worked. It worked. Those, you know, the boring IT clients who used to come to me for blog posts, they're no longer coming to me. I'm getting more of the brands that are like, oh, we're a little bit boring or, you know, we've been playing it safe. Can you do some more of the fun stuff? Because we've been reading your you, you know, the way you talk about um, copywriting and talk about your business on LinkedIn. And we, we, we really like that. So that's what I did. Yeah, went all in on the fun stuff. Just the, the full raft of, you know, my humorous take on things that are happening at the moment. I'm positioning myself against AI. So that's quite fun, taking a piss out the robots. <laughs> um, you know, you've got these age-old copywriting tips. I kind of share more modernized perhaps working class versions of those copywriting tips to make them a little bit more relatable for people. Um, I take the piss out of the LinkedIn influencers and all the thought leaders um, who are taking themselves too seriously. Rewrite bad copy to show how easy it is to, to sprinkle a bit, of, a bit of personality on it. Tell stories, parodies, everything really. So yeah, work-wise and kind of self-promotion-wise, that's what I've been up to in the meantime. Um, and that's helped me get some some really nice projects with some really, really cool brands as well and work on some good stuff. So it's, um, it's already come to fruition. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's funny because I've... Even though you and I have known each other fairly well for for some time now, and your first episode was coming up to four years ago now, it's mad. I haven't actually heard you say that the trigger of the pandemic and those CEOs coming out the woodwork and realizing they've got all this data they could, you know, perhaps send messages to as like as a, as a trigger. And I suppose in in many ways it's because, um, and again, something we talked about four years ago now was we we celebrated a poem called Dogs that you wrote when you were, you know, you were a very young lad, yeah. 10 years old, perhaps, maybe a bit older, for your nan, which we had the great Ollie Mines narrate in that episode. But so humour and, and that kind of idea of bringing personality and just fun. And I mentioned in your intro, getting paid to be silly. So silly, but silly in the best, you know, meaning of the word. 
has always yeah. been there. So it wasn't so much a, now I'm going to start trying to use humour. It was just, that was always there, wasn't it? Definitely. I get, I get, you know, some um, other copywriters and even, even brands saying, you oh, know, can you make us funny? And I'm like, look, you don't, you don't want to fall. If you're not, if you're not naturally funny or if you haven't kind of, you know, got this background in, in humour, don't force it because there's nothing worse than being kind of inauthentically funny. Like me growing up in kind of northwest of England, you know, Liverpool, kind of known for its humour and wit, I suppose. You know, growing up all my, throughout my family and all my mates, if you didn't have a quick comeback, you were dead meat. You had, you had to be, you think on your on your feet, and you had to be really witty. Um, in school, I was the kid that did the impressions of all the teachers. I was obsessed with comedy from you know the age of probably six or seven or eight um with the likes of fast the fast show and um harry m field uh, and then later you know the office and, and alan partridge and and peter k more recently vic and bob all of that type of stuff so i was i was really kind of into all of that stuff from observational comedy to character comedy to you know surrealism and stuff so when i started kind of using that as part of my my own kind of market and promotion it never ever felt forced. It was always there. I just never really leaned all into it like I did at the start of the pandemic. And yeah, I, I just found a way to really just use all the, all the kind of bits that had been lying around in in, in the background um, in terms of comedy. As mentioned before, you know, character based stuff. I, I you know I use characters as people can probably tell in some of my stories. There's certainly observational stuff. So I'll be I'll be looking at um, you know the, the stuff that's happening with AI at the moment and making my own little observations about that that people perhaps aren't you know aren't thinking about. So all of those little kind of elements of of comedy. I've 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 kind of naturally woven into the way I I do my marketing now, and it's definitely not forced. It feels authentic, and above all, it's it's fun to do. Like I I was in the in in a company for ten years, and I probably I was bored shitless for eight of those years. Um, and you know, ever since I've gone freelancer, I'm also since leaning on the humour side of things, and the the, the comedy. Like I, ne- I never have that dread on a Monday anymore. I get up and it's like right sound. What have I got? What have I got today? Me, me, my mind's always flying with new ideas. Um, so it's yeah, it keeps it keeps my keeps me on my toes and keeps life interesting as well. So it's it's got it's got loads of loads of benefits for me, I suppose. And how much of that do you think about in advance? And how much do you kind of structure those stories that you that you write, especially your you know your your brilliant LinkedIn. Work and the reason I'm asking this is on the last the last episode we released was with Rosie and Faris, and I made the point to Faris I think that I'm wary or always wary of the industry becoming very formulaic. So yeah, so how much are you kind of following a formula, and how much are you just being I suppose naturally funny? Yeah, I suppose it's I'm, I'm certainly not consciously following any kind of formula. I think I did a talk to the marketing meetup a couple of years back where I talked about how to write more engaging stories on social media. And I certainly kind of presented some formulas there, which is just a kind of really simple age old, you know, beginning, middle and end stuff, you know, write a compelling intro headline to hook people in, make sure the middle bit is, you know, intriguing enough to get people from that first word to the last. And then at the end, never leave a dead end, you know, always, always have somewhere to go. It doesn't have to be a call to action. It could just be, you know, just plant a little seed um, about where they can find you in future. So that formulaic 
kind of side of things. It certainly lives there when I'm writing stories. And I suppose, like, my background is journalism. I did, did journalism at uni. You know, even though I've been copywriting now for getting on for 20 years, those kind of fundamentals of structuring a news article and a story to have that headline that, that draws you in. And then you've got an intro with that, you know, people have to read to get to the nitty gritty of the, of the article. Again, the, those are the fundamentals that are kind of are part of the structure. That said, most of the stuff I do is is reactive. It's only really once I have, a, say, a series. So I do this um, series on LinkedIn. I've done like 50 of them now called Confuse the Scammers, where a scammer gets in touch with me, usually in the DMs, and then I kind of steer them down a ridiculous rabbit hole by you know making up a story. Don't know whatever the conversation goes, just to see how long I can keep them, you know, engaged for, and also to see the the, the funniest bit for me is seeing their reactions to the absolute, like the, the craziest scenarios that I can make up on the fly, like their <laughs> dead, like either deadpan reactions or like the questions where they'll go what. It's almost like what, what, like what? Where's this guy taking me? So, um, yeah. So they're they're the stuff that I'll I'll do more reactive. But there's no real, no, there's no real kind of comedy structures. Like I don't, I don't write joke. I, I listened to a, um, the audio book of the guy that founded the Onion. So that this guy Scott Dickers, and within that, I think the, his book's called How to Write Funny. So I'm, I want to do a course eventually called How to Write Funny Copy. But his one is all How to Write Funny. So it's it's the art of writing comedy, and he goes into detail about how to write jokes and it's stuff that i would never even i've never even considered it's like you're sitting down it's almost like you've got a spreadsheet and you, you're putting down you know what the aim of the joke who's the subject who's the target how can i twist it and then you go through you you, you put it through like all of these funny filters so there's like i think this is the 11 or 12 funny i can't remember now it was a while ago since i listened to it but there's these funny filters so one of them is you know sarcasm another one's irony another one is parody and, and then you go, you go through the full realm um so whatever whatever you're talking about say it was ai you know these ai chatbots to write jokes about that in you know the, the typical comedy joke right away would be to yeah to you know filter the subject of what i want to talk about through all of these funny filters and yeah try and eke a joke out whereas my writing because it's not necessarily you know joke punchline that kind of style it's it's more of a story and it's more of um i, I suppose certainly the scammer stuff it's more kind of surrealism it's um yeah it's definitely taking the scammers on a, a, a kind of weird journey I do just write them on the fly. And I think, I think for me, um, I, get, I get people quite a lot saying, I don't know where you find the time for this stuff. Like, where'd you find the time? And I'm like, look, I get business off the back of these stories. So I make time to write these stories. Like this isn't just me messing about. I'm getting, I'm getting work off the back of it. That said, the, like the, the stories that I'll come up with, it's almost like I'm testing myself. Have I got the ability to create a character, create a story, create a narrative uh, and write it on the fly? And that's, I, I kind of use that to help my writing, if anything. So I never, I never structure them in advance. Occasionally, you know, there'll be, um, I'll, I'll have a little idea at the start. Um, so I've got one, um, which I haven't published yet, where I basically pretend to be Daniel LaRusso out of The Karate Kid. And I've done it a couple of times with Peter Venkman in Ghostbusters and I did in Indiana Jones, where I pretend like I'm on some mad quest and the scammer's like, what? what's this guy on about um but the, yeah the most recent one is is where i i, I tell us i'm pretending to be daniel larusso in karate kid so i'm starting to like photoshop my head on you know on daniel standing <laughs> next to mr miyagi as he's doing the wax on wax off and stuff like that but it, it's 
the, the kind of planning of it and the structure of it is only really born from an initial idea where where the, where it then goes to is all dependent on you know what the responses are from the scammer i suppose and then i try to just react uh, uh, you know how i can it doesn't always work out some end up really boring and shit and it's like oh I've, I've backed myself down a dead end here i've ruined that one but i get that many now it's like there's there's always there's <laughs> there's always another one that i can um be working on have you got a favorite one yet or a fav- even even like favorite response from a scammer it wasn't even a scammer the very very first one so I, I spoke about this in my newsletter last week. It, it just it just happened out of nowhere. So the United States Space Force, which I thought was a parody, I thought it was a spoof because there's a show on Netflix called US Space Force. But they they did a tweet back in I think it was 2020, maybe 2021, and it was re- like a really earnest tweet. Like, can you imagine your loved ones coming down from the attic with your medals, achievements, and honors, asking about the time you shaped the strategic environment? How would you even begin to explain? that by being part of the shaping so i thought oh this is just like a promo for a netflix show but the more i looked into it there's actually a united states space force so like space police which blew my mind so i did a parody of it um, it, although it wasn't even a pa- wasn't even a parody. I just I screen grabbed that bit and put, stuck it on LinkedIn uh, with a post that said, "My two year old just came down from the attic with a load of achievements in his hands, and said, Dad, tell me about the time you shaped the strategic environment.' The whole family cheered. I wondered how I was even going to explain absolute scenes. So I posted that, just a bit of a piss take, um, and then some guy, again really earnestly, not a scammer, one of my followers. He put, your two-year-old was in the attic alone and able to carry down a load of achievements. By God, your son has a good vocabulary for his age. So the second he wrote that, I was like, this guy believes me. Like, he, he's, he's not seeing the, the, the joke in this. So I thought, let's just see where it goes. So I replied, yeah, he's very advanced for his age. His dad shaped the strategic environment and then just took it, like, further. And he carried on. It's the one that led to baby Harvard. That's exactly what it is, yeah. I'd love to believe the story. As a parent, I can't see the plausibility. So I then made up, just again, on the fly, um, I just said, oh, no, he is very advanced for his age, um, so advanced that he's he's now enrolled in baby Harvard, um, and he's under the tutelage of the brilliant Professor Henry Gremlin. Um, so then, just back and forth, back and forth. I was telling him all about, like, my son, Clive. I called him Clive, two-year-old called Clive. Again, just dropping little breadcrumbs and thinking, the pennies going to drop soon. Oh, no. It, this went on all day until, like, the next day, he put... Were you having me on? I've ju- I've Googled Professor Gremlin and Baby Harvard and can't find anything. <laughs> so that just sent me west because I Googled Professor Henry Gremlin and the uh, the the Google image search um, that comes back is just, you know, the the uh, the gremlin with the smoking jacket on and a pipe and glasses out of the film Gremlins just staring back. So at that just I was just laughing for about four days after that. I was like, oh, this is hilarious. So I'd, I'd managed to kind of bewilder this this poor chap who, you know, the penny didn't drop for him. So having done that, I thought, oh, there's a nice little story there. So I'll screen grab that, package it up, stick it on LinkedIn, just as a way of, yeah, a way of adding to the, the daft and silly stories and stuff that I was doing. And then, yeah, scammers had been, had been dropping in my DMs. So I thought, let's just try it. Let's just try and respond. So I've done, yeah, all sorts. I've made up fake bank statements from banks called holy fucks and santander um i've done yeah weird letters banning me from whatsapp um all all completely made up with ridiculous reasons and yeah i've had gophers driving gopher powered jeeps called keith 
Keith, Keith's the go for not a dupe. Um, I've been, yeah, like you said at the start, I've been doing illegal hedgehog fighting in the back streets of Bogota in Colombia. And that's why, um, that's why Holy Fucks, my bank blocked my accounts because I was, I was gambling too wildly. And all sorts, yeah, I've done like 50 of them. And yeah, they do, like I said, they get me, get me business. I get, I get brands like approaching me or and agencies and stuff. We, we, like we read that till the end. I've shared that amongst all of our, all of our group on, on WhatsApp. Can you write stuff like that for us? So it's, it's really is that's kind of simple. So, um, and it's dead fun. It's, it's so fun to do. Um, when they turn out nice, like the Daniel LaRusso one, I haven't released that yet. It just <laughs> sounds really sad. You shouldn't laugh at your own jokes, but I'll just, I'll read that every, every couple of weeks. I'll read that back and just go, bloody hell. Like, what was that? What must that scammer have been thinking? Yeah, funny. Oh, it's wonderful. It's funny. You said earlier about people asking you how much time you spend doing this, and you know, is that what you do all day? So and so on and so forth. And actually, the, I think the comparison there really is is it's not so much that because of course it must take time to do this, but it's versus what they're doing to win business themselves, and they might yeah. fall into the pandemic CEO trap of just sending out emails you bought this seven years ago we also sell this type of stuff whereas what you're doing is is it's more like there's a quote that i've shared before from i think it's walt disney and i'm sure dave trott's got written all sorts about this about rather entertaining and hope people learn something than try and educate people and hope they were entertained there's something about in entertaining people to engage people so like you um, mentioned earlier that brands shouldn't always try and be funny but I think maybe the one consistent thing is they should be entertained at least and and that's exactly what you're doing with Confuse the Scammers yeah I mean that that quote absolutely I mean humour I've just found even just from the brands that I've I've you know worked with it's you know it's it's a bit of a cliche but you know it naturally puts people in a good mood doesn't it it captures attention you you kind of associate those good feelings with the brand and then you know you remember those afterwards so it, it has like a three-pronged thing and back to the you mentioned the choice factor at the start just a really simple kind of behavioral science thing is that people are more more likely to buy when they're in a good mood because you know advertising on plain magazines is more fruitful for the brands than advertising on the inside of buses because people are happy and they've got cash on the hip when they're going on holiday whereas when they're on a bus they're going on a commute to work probably so just little tiny things like that all all nudge towards you know humor being effective and that and that's that's what it boils down to really yeah and i mean I, there is a listener question coming up a bit later about ai specifically but i suppose in terms of your battle with the robot overlords that's something that robots will struggle to write i suspect yeah it look it looks that way i mean it, 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 we're obviously only on you know version 1.0 of, of the chatbot so far so i can see them getting better at it but it's still all based on stuff that's happened before they're not creating something new they haven't got our you know weird and wonderful brains so everything is based on on stuff that's that's happened before so yeah that that kind of create the natural creativity of the human brain to link crazy to really disparate things will they ever get there that's 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 my question as i mentioned we do have dozens of listener questions but before we go there you're opening a copywriting agency and i'm dying to hear more about that can you do a reveal yeah absolutely so since i started freelancing it's been like eight years so it's just been me and in that time certainly since i started you know going all in on funny stuff on linkedin i've been getting probably way more way more leads than i can kind of handle 
So I probably only have the capacity at the moment to take on, I'd say, one in 20 projects. And the sad thing is I'm having to turn down loads of really cool stuff because, you know, there's only one of me. So for the past six or nine months, I've been, yeah, in uh, ch- chatting to another good copywriter mate of mine um about opening this agency just so basically i can start saying yes a bit more and um i can start working in a little bit more of a kind of creative copy director role so i won't be doing um as much of the day-to-day writing on these projects we'll be working with kind of sector specialist copywriters who really know their stuff but all of the work will still be going kind of through me so the agency we're calling it copy or die so it's words and ideas for brands that want to live forever. So that's the kind of premise. So we're basically going to be kind of dramatizing the importance of original powerful copy at a time when, you know, it's being really devalued by AI. So, um, and, and ramping up that drama by making copy a matter of, of life or business death. And yeah, having loads of fun with the idea that, you know, death becomes brands with shit copy, really. Um, yeah. And, this, you know, there's other brands out there who would who, 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 who kind of put having that kind of approach as well with the likes of liquid death at the moment we all know how um or you know if you've seen their stuff you know how funny and engaging it is um you've got dead happy life insurance who, who again mm. there's that kind of making fun of the taboo it feels a little bit edgy i suppose um but with us yeah we'll be targeting um not so much the one-man bands like purposefully called it copy or die um you know you asked at the start about words and and copy you know i i I purposefully branded myself the word man when I started because I knew I'd be working with, you know, small, maybe even one man bands, you know, Frank's factory who that makes, I don't know, washers for washing machines. And he wouldn't have a clue what copy was. Whereas me saying, you know, I'm the word man. I can write the words that will make people understand what you do. That made sense. Whereas for an agency, we want to be targeting slightly bigger brands or they already know what copy is. So we don't have to do that kind of hard sell convincing. So yes, we're basically doing um, original positioning that differentiates those brands, consistent tone of voice and personality everywhere they show up and uh, campaigns that grab attention and keep the brands fresh. Um, so more of the yeah, persuasive, shorter form copy, brand position and tone of voice, that type of stuff, than blog posts and case studies and stuff. We'll, we'll probably certainly won't be advertising for that type of stuff. I think the longest copy we'll do is is with website copy. But yeah. They're the brands we'll be targeting, and also, yet yeah, like I mentioned, we'll be working with brilliant um, sector specialist writers. So, so no juniors. We're going to be working with people who know their stuff, or the people probably in a similar boat to me who've been freelancing for at least like five, six years, or certainly you know copywriting for that time. So they they, they already know like an, an industry or sector inside out, or they are you know media specialists who are good at email campaigns or the good at tone of voice that type of stuff um and we're hoping there'll be plenty of work yeah to throw around because at the moment there's a lot of very worried copywriters out there who have admittedly found this year tough i'm hearing lots of reports that teams are being halved at some smaller agencies while they test out ai yeah hopefully this will create 
quite a lot of work for those people who have found it found it tough nice i had a few questions there i was going to ask you but you think you've answered every single one of them i've got my pitch right haven't i <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i was only partly trying to stitch you up in the quick fires asking words or copy as well specifically because you're branded <laughs> as the word man and your agency's copy so you batted that away before i even had a chance to lob it at you nice one i'm gonna lob some more at you um oh but actually before i do can people head anywhere to find out more on copy or die or do we just need to stay tuned a bit longer yeah the website isn't launched yet so when it's when it's launched we've got the domain and stuff so it's copy or die.co.uk but for the time being if you get my newsletter which is at my current website or the you know the, the website out you know the word man won't be going anywhere it'll still be me but yeah, you can sign up to my newsletter at my website, which is thewearman.co.uk. Um, and we'll be doing, I'll be doing like little um, emails to, to get people on like a wait list. For the first few months, we'll only be taking clients that sign up to uh, a wait list, which is going to be through my newsletter. So um, if you sign up to that, you can get yourself on the wait list. Well, the newsletter, the word is linked to in this episode, so it should be easy for people to find. We interrupt this podcast to announce that we will never interrupt this podcast with ads. Ads that awkwardly nudge you to contact the pod's host, Giles, at gasp.agency. Only last week, some pod listing companies did just that, calling for guidance on research and brand positioning. But we're definitely not asking you to do that. Anyway, back to the show. I arched to give him better access. As his fingers left a trail of heat on their way to cut my full breath. Whoa, sorry. We'll have none of that before the watershed. Hang on. Right, listen to questions it is. So asking the general public for their opinion, be it on Brexit or boat names, is notoriously fraught with danger. But that's not stopped us asking. So you've got quite a few absurd ones I'm going to hurl at you, Dave. So starting with Call to Action alumni, the wonderful Elisal McDonald. She's got two here. The first one is probably quite quick. Question for Uncle Tony. Is he a briefs or a boxes man? Oh, briefs, absolutely, yeah. He's all about efficiency, is Tony. So every, <laughs> everything. And he, he tucks his T-shirt into the briefs as well for kind of <laughs> maximum holdage of whatever's dangling down there. It's all in a neat package. Just to communicate his winning life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her second question is something, something, copywriting and AI. So exactly how she's worded it. So is it, I know you've, you've touched on AI a few times in the Robot Overlords, but is there anything, have you got any other stance or opinion on, on AI? And is it only a threat to copywriting? Is it something that copywriters can utilize is it going to be beneficial i don't think it's going anywhere is it so i think you're trying to resist it is futile so let's just look at it from a more practical point of view i'm just purely positioning against it at the moment to, to kind of demonstrate the benefits of human creativity and uh, certainly the, the humor side of things but i think seriously it's probably going to overtake google as the first port of call and i think you know you've we've seen but is it google bard and you've got um bing have kind of incorporated it into their search engine aren't they so rather than getting you know a load of ads and 20 searches when you type in a question it's probably just going to give you the, the most syndicated best answer so it'll certainly speed things up that way but i think in kind of creative terms i mean I, i've been doing this for 20 years now i've got my own little kind of ways of coming up with mad ideas and little formulas and little techniques little go-to things i think for people who haven't perhaps got you know that experience haven't got those those techniques either only a few years doing it or 
people who perhaps struggle when they're faced with a, a, a blank page and they really don't know where to turn to when coming up with that idea. I think they'll find it massively useful and it will probably become, you know, all the chatbot bros and, and the AI gurus and all stuff, you know, they're saying at the moment, you won't be replaced by AI, you'll be replaced by someone using AI I mean, a bit dramatic, I think, um, but there'll certainly be copywriters, even you know, designers as well. I'm not just limiting this to copy, using AI almost as part of their kind of creative process. Whereas I will still probably be using my pen and paper processes at the moment. I, you know, at the start of projects, I'll split the page up into four boxes and write whatever I'm writing about, get down all the rhymes, all the idioms, all the synonyms, all the stuff, all my experiences with that product. I'll be doing the kind of research the old school way. Um, I think that will kind of die a death with the newer, younger copywriters who will just use it as part of their, you know, their day to day. It'll be like, you know, when Google was out 20 years ago, I, I was at uni, I was like, oh, what is Google? Like, I'd only just started using Google. And now, you know, we say Google it, don't we? It's its own verb. Whereas AI and, and you know, the chat GPTs of this world, which are all new and, and, and fancy now at the moment. I think they'll just become part of what we do because they'll make things a, a, a lot quicker. I think the the, th- the one thing I've got a big issue with at the moment is um, not necessarily the people using it. It's more the back to what I said about those like chatbot bros. And it's like, you know, 10 ways to 10x your productivity. And it's just like, look, mate, we've got it. We've got still got to do the hard work here. We can't just press a button and magically get a load of ideas that are going to transform you know your next campaign doesn't work like that you've still got to have the kind of fundamentals and even the strategy behind it you see them saying give me a 400 word blog post about xyz it's like that's all well and good that's great and you can write it in shakespeare's tone but it's like does that align with my strategy and will it really change things and improve things for my company they're almost like they're going straight for the solution rather than going what's the problem here what are we trying to solve so i think that's the only thing i've got an issue with people trying to fast track too much um i think i wrote something in my email a few weeks back a few people had issue with it i said it's fast tracking us towards the biggest era of marketing mediocrity the world has ever known and i I do stand by that i think the more we allow robots and not our own human brains to kind of come up with the ideas and and really steer them towards stuff that's going to answer the brief i think we're in choppy waters um i also mentioned that it's more of a tool for the underskilled and the overwhelmed at the moment, which a few copywriters pulled me up over and went, I'm trying to use it. That's like that's like devaluing my skills. And I'm like, look, that's just my opinion at the moment. I do think for people who are overwhelmed, you know, there's more channels than ever. People are having to write more captions for social media and stuff than ever before. So it's going to help people write 100 iterations of a message. Are they going to be a hundred really engaging iterations? Probably not, but that's kind of where we are. And the underskilled is just back to what I said before about it's more the experience because I've been doing it for yonks. I've got these little techniques. And if you haven't been doing it for yonks, you haven't got the skills to come up with an idea. Um, you might want to use one of these tools. So, so that's, that's where I come at it from. I think there's also a benefit to being around now at the birth of something new because I've I've long believed or noticed, in fact, that people who are older than Google are better at using Google. I don't know why that's true, but it certainly seems to be true. Whereas people who have grown up with it always being a, a you know a facility or a tool, if you like, don't seem to reach for it or use it in the way that I think others might do. 
that might be a, a flawed statement. I'm sure people can correct me, but it's certainly a very valid observation I've made in the last few years. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd go, I'd go along with that. And it, it, again, you've only got to scroll on LinkedIn, and every third post is how to 10x your productivity using these AI tools. Yeah. And I was like, one guy, his bio was, you know, ChatGPT expert. He'll be an expert in threads next week. It's only been yeah. on five days. Um, but he. <laughs> He was like saying, how to do this, how to do that, it's going to change your life. And I just replied, what happens if the Wi-Fi goes down? And he, he just didn't, no response. Like, you've got a load of, load of people who are kind of, you know, who, who follow the stuff that I do were like, oh, yeah, that's, it's true. I'm like, I watched a podcast with Darren Brown about six months ago. And they were asking him about, you know, how did he get into, you know, hypnosis and all of that stuff. How, how did he learn his... He's thinking, there's no hypnosis school, is there? And he went, you know what? He said, I've read everything there was to read about it. He said, if there's a book written about hypnosis, he said, I've got it or I've read it. He said, I've studied it to the ends of the earth. He said, just so that if something went wrong in one of my shows, I could sort it out. I know how to go backwards. I know the long way around. And I think the danger with just being able to type a prompt in and press a button is that, you know, when you come up with this idea for a concept and you're in a pitch with a brand and they say, oh, that's a really good idea. Where did you come up with that idea? And you go, I typed the prompt into thing. And it's like, it shouldn't be that way. You should be able to explain the whole history lesson of the idea and go back to where it came from, why it's going to answer the brief, why it's going to be effective, all of that type of stuff, knowing the long way around why it works. And yeah, for me, Darren Brown hit the nail on the head. He was like, if I'd have just learned this hypnotherapy on YouTube, if someone didn't wake up or something went wrong, I wasn't having to rely on YouTube to sort it out. I knew exactly what what the steps were to kind of go backwards. And I think that what I'm alluding to is the, the same thing I think is true for creativity. If you understand and you've learned the long way of, of doing it and come up with those ideas, the chatbots and stuff should only ever be a supplement to that, should only ever be you know a way of getting you to either past a blank page or maybe coming up with other ideas when you're, you're struggling a little bit rather than just pressing the button and it being the complete solution and the complete output, which I think a few businesses and brands who really don't understand, let's face it, they don't understand the benefits of effective copy. A lot of them are just going, yeah, that look, that kind of looks all right. We'll take that. Whereas they don't even know whether it works or not. So it's, yeah, that's what it is. I'm not sure if Angela Rapley expects me to ask you this, but I can't resist. Who is the best Lord? Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Dance, or Lord of the Flies? <laughs> Bloody hell. Blouse wearing tycoon Michael Flatley. No, it's um, <laughs> like it's the serious non-partridge answer. It's probably Lord of the Rings, just because of Tolkien's, you know, mad naming, character naming strategy, <laughs> and created the whole language, didn't he? Fucking hell. You know, give the man his due. Which was even better than Blouse wearing tycoon. <laughs> 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 Joel Stein almost mirrors the start of Angela's question. What's the best word? Best word? I, I, it's, cha- it's changed recently, only because I drop it into every fourth scammer story now so it used to be zigzag i love the 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 double z of zigzag discombobulate was up there for a while but now it's the really puerile bumhole (laughs) just the word bumhole it just makes me laugh every time i just every time i hear it every time i say it just the word bumhole there you go Right, question from friend of ours, Mel Barfield. How's fame treating you and how do you deal with it when people come up to you at events and start talking about LinkedIn like they know you but have zero 
clue who they are. I, I happen to know also you were recognising Belfast recently, so I'm going to throw that into the mix. Yeah, I do normally just say, speak to my agent. Yeah, speak to, <laughs> go, go and speak to my agent over there. He's five paces behind me at all times. His name's Gary Champagne. That's just a, an, that's an in-joke for people who get my newsletter. My agent is called Gary Champagne. Yeah. It's not really, no. Um, very awkwardly, to be honest. You know, how do I deal with it when people go, oh, hi, I get your LinkedIn or, you know, I'm signed up to your newsletter. I kind of go, and I'm just shit at taking compliments, I suppose. And I just, get, I normally just go, oh, oh, nice one. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, sound. And then just like, don't really have a, a stock answer. Um, and yeah, the Belfast, <laughs> the Belfast thing, uh, that was a weird one. I was on a night out in Belfast with a few of my mates. Like, I live in Liverpool, Belfast, miles and miles away from where I live. Um, and yeah, someone came up to me in um in a bar surrounded by a load of lively irish music i went are you dave harland <laughs> and i was like oh come on lads if you pull it up to this i thought i genuinely thought they'd like been putting up to me but no i mean i'm shameless about my promotion let's face it i'm every every day on linkedin i'm putting my own stuff out there so um i suppose it's it's only to be expected that there might be you know someone in some city somewhere who sees you know my massive face and goes oh I kind of recognise that because I see him every day promoting his own stuff on LinkedIn. Um, so, yeah, so that was it. But back to Mel's question, uh, yeah, just very awkwardly. And I just go, yeah, sound, yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. Nothing wrong with that. Well, given you're bad at taking compliments, I'm going to move on to Sarah Starling. So she says, well, there's two parts to this. I like to start. Is it true that he secretly wrote the song Words Don't Come Easy to garner sympathy and pull in more clients? Oh, and please, can Dave write more scripts to be voiced? There's a notable lack of humour in my inbox. I think clients have forgotten how powerful it is. So some nice words from Sarah. Answer the first question. No, I didn't write that one as much as I would have loved to. No, although I did write the Cat Stevens song Words um, was it Cat Stevens? I know Boyzone did it anyway, but yeah, I mean, I should know that because I get royalties all the time. Um, so yeah, I wrote that words. <laughs> what was the second part? Uh, she just wants you to write more scripts to be voiced and has noticed a lack of humour in her inbox. And she says clients have forgotten how powerful it is. I don't disagree with Sarah at all, but I do think I've started to see a lot more wit in ads in general. Um, and I hope that momentum continues. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's there's been a little bit more because there was a was it Cantar had done a study from like the last twenty years looking at humour and advertising, and it had had a bit of a nosedive. It had gone from like you know fifty two percent or something. It had gone down to thirty eight percent or like a ma a massive jump, almost like fifty percent drop off in humour and advertising. So, so, I mean, you see it in Super Bowl, don't you? Super Bowl ads they see the value in that more more kind of brand awareness type stuff rather than the conversion stuff. But yeah, sc scripts, I think um, there's, there's something that's certain, you know, we certainly want to be getting more into with Copy or Die with the agency. As a freelancer, the clients that have approached me over the past, you know, six or seven years, it tends to be more of the social media ads, write an email campaign for us. So it's, it's more of the day-to-day -day stuff rather than scripts tend to come with the bigger agencies who are writing TV scripts or radio scripts. So, you know, I've done them really sporadically, but they're definitely something I want to get more into. And yeah, they'll they'll be laced with humour, if and if not humour, you know, something else impactful to to, to make them stand out because there's nothing worse than a really dull script. True. Question from Belen Wilson. She says, "Has he ever been approached by the Met Police or MI5 to join the fraud team? <laughs> and more seriously, how and why the replying to spam scam mail?" 
which we sort of covered. But I, but I like the idea of you being approached by someone to join their, their fraud team. Yeah, no MI5, no one like that. But the head of the Anti-Scam Alliance wants to do something like a collaboration with me, um, which I can't really say too much about because we're in discussions at the moment. But yeah, some someone has noticed, someone within that kind of sector has noticed me um, and noticed the stuff that I've been doing and want to do something to, to um, want to work with me to help them promote it. So um, Amazing. But it's certainly no, you know, what's the film? Catch Me If You Can, Frankie. Just, I, I just about to say that, yeah. <laughs> At the end. He starts working, like finding out, you know, about check fraud and all of that stuff. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what my future holds? Maybe I could be, yeah, part of the anti scam alliance and MI5. I'd quite like that. MI5, FBI. I'd look, good. I'd look good in a black suit. I'd have to slim down a bit, but I think I'd work it well. The Leonardo DiCaprio of copywriting. I like that. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a good we'll one. That. I, uh, I, like, I also like the fact that Frank Avignon was, uh, you know, very successful at scamming, whereas you just baffle the brains of scammers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the other way, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, maybe not. Right, this is this will have to be our last listener question. And I think you know what the question will be as soon as I tell you that it's come from Matt Webster. Matt wants to know, when does the Uncle T merch drop? Uncle T merch? Well, it's been in the offing for a while. So Tony's been part of my life for four years now. 2019, I originally started telling stories about Big T. And I've got 150 many the tales from his weird and wonderful life in the background so it's just when i finally get my arse in gear and write the book that i've been promising one of my friends um who's gonna be helping me publish it promising him for a while other stuff took over so i haven't been able to but for anyone that doesn't know yeah uncle tony he first appeared on my linkedin feed in 2019 basically as a response to all of the vacuous platitudes and truisms that you'll see on the platform from the likes of well it started with the guy called oleg vishnapolsky one of his posts was do good and good will come to you so it was just like, like <laughs> obviously, you're a lunatic. Um, so I replied, actually, three years ago, my Uncle Tony performed an overzealous Heimlich maneuver on an old lady choking on a Werther's original at a real amusement arcade, inadvertently shattering all her ribs and causing her lungs to implode. Tony, if you're reading, I'm coming to visit on Tuesday, mate. We all still love you. So he was trying to do good, but good didn't come to him. He got banged up. Um, so that was where, yeah, that was where my first tales of Tony began. And since then, yeah, it spun into Simon Sinek's words of uninspiration. Some of the stuff he puts on, man. Creating something new is easy. Creating something that can last is the challenge. It's like, do you get that out of a fortune cookie? Sorry, it's like craziness. I don't know where they come up with this. I'm hoping that it's not him. I'm hoping he just has a bewildered team of social media gimps writing his stuff and and he wouldn't put his name anywhere near that because he actually sounds quite articulate when you hear him speak. But yeah, yeah, I just don't buy it. So you've got, yeah, Simon Sinek, Gary V, um, who else? Adam Grant, one of the LinkedIn celebrities. So, yeah, that's a really long-winded way of saying Uncle Tony Merch is dropping as soon as the the book's out, I suppose, which I'm still yet to write. (laughs) There's a timeline for you. The final part of the interview then remains the same, Dave, our four pertinent poses. So be interesting to see if these have changed in the last four years. So what advice would you give to your younger self is number one? I think last time I was on, I said, have a laugh. 
and that absolutely hasn't changed. If anything, it's 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 exacerbated. It's gone even more because when I started off, I was of the ilk. Oh, you know, you've got. Oh, I was told by an old boss, like you've got to be serious to get on in business. And the fact that I am absolutely, you know, not serious. I'm serious probably about four percent of the time when I have to deal with, you know, my accounts or when I'm having initial briefing meetings with, with clients and, you know, we really have to talk about aims and objectives and stuff. But then as soon as the work begins, it's just, look, have a laugh. Just let your, let your brain go to weird and wonderful places because that's where some of the, the most attention-grabbing, wacky, memorable ideas come from. So, yeah, have a laugh. Hasn't changed, 100%. If you could banish one thing from the industry, what would it be and why? I've already mentioned them, haven't I? It's the, it's the, it's the AI chatbot bros it's the, the the people promising the earth but it's really just snake oil bullshit um so you know all of these people saying 10x your productivity and all of that stuff yeah avoid them like the plague good stuff takes time you, you cannot rush things i mean the, is it neil patel the guy he's yes. like a market marketer guy i remember he, about a year ago he, <laughs> i think he deleted it afterwards because he got absolutely rinsed but he said stop reading books you just watch youtube instead <laughs> how's that advice how's that good advice stop reading books <laughs> fucking hell how's that for the next generation it's just insane so yeah yeah, yeah beware the chatbot and the ai Bros promising the earth because it's no coincidence that whenever something allegedly game-changing cutting-edge life-changing like this ai is purported to be it's no coincidence that as soon as something like that comes out every single one of my spam messages is all about ai now before that it was about nfts before that it was about metaverse before that it was viagra so yeah. take from that what you will question three is um well, it's now dedicated to Neil Patel himself. Are there any books that you can recommend to our listeners? There's one that's it's probably been on my desk now for about nine months, and it's ace. And I've done the guy's course as well, a guy called Dan Nelkin, which copywriters out there will know, Dan. Canadian guy, dead funny, really smart. He released this book, A Self-Help Guide for Copywriters, and it's basically a compendium, I suppose, of headline techniques, so how to come up with headline techniques. But... It might seem just like, oh, it, you know, the headlines are the tactics, but for me, it's not. It's like how you can come up with concepts as well and campaign ideas. So coming up with the, with the big idea, you know, like the taglines and where the rest of the, the, the kind of idea will flow from, it allows you to kind of think up those as well. So that's, I recommend that absolutely. Self-help guide for copywriters, which is ace. Perfect. Well, there'll be a link to that in the show notes. And then number four, we always dedicate every episode to someone and we bestow or hospital pass that honour, depending on your view, to our guest who has to give their reason why. Okay, so th yeah, this one's dead easy. And it's the guy I'm founding the copywriting agency with. So it's Ben McKinney, good copywriter mate of mine. I've known him probably five or six years, but only really been speaking to him properly about maybe working together for the last 18 months or so. Yeah, up until 18 months ago, I was quite happy just working on my own i thought i was happy you know i escaped the job that i didn't really like started freelancing i was like ah oh, this is the life for me um you know i'm i'm sound let's do this but i've worked with them on a couple of projects over the last 18 months and we've talked about doing you know doing this agency together he's on my wavelength he gets my silly humor and he, he's kind of happy for me to mess around and be as silly as i, I can be which i always thought you know the second i team up with someone I might have to rein it in a bit, little bit and get a little bit serious. Whereas he's just like, no, 
Good now, go on. You carry on doing that type of stuff. That's what we need. Um, so for me, he's no better person to go into business with. Um, we get on really well, and he's really sound. So, um, and uh, yeah, we're dead excited to be launching this new agency, and you'll be hearing loads more from us. God help everyone on LinkedIn. Yeah. You'll be hearing so much about this agency. Yeah, I'm, I'm going over to Threads. <laughs> well, this episode is very proudly dedicated to Ben McKinney. Fantastic. As a final call to action, everything we've discussed from a self-help guide for copywriters by Dan Nelkin, a link to Copy or Die, because I'm hoping that it will be live by the time this episode is released. If not, you will see a link there to Dave's wonderful newsletter, The Word, so you can subscribe there and be amongst the first to find out when it is live. How else can our listeners get more Dave Harland? God, haven't they, got, haven't they had enough of me? I don't shut up about myself. Um, yeah, LinkedIn definitely, which is where I post most days. Twitter is getting less and less since Elon started being weird. Um, but if anyone's interested, I'm at Wordman Copy there. Same on the new thing, Threads. I'm at Wordman Copy, which I need more people on Threads, to be honest. It's just, your Threads is basically just the the, uh, the people you've got on Instagram, isn't it? I've got like two, 200 followers and they're all like family and friends. So I'm not, I'm not expecting any imminent work, but I'll certainly be doing some daft and silly stuff on Threads as well. Yeah, website, newsletter, you've already plugged those for me. And hopefully in future, I'll have, like I said, this course um, about how to write funny copy and, yeah, the Uncle Tony book at some point when I finally pull my finger out. And you're co-hosting the marketing meetup in Liverpool too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great reminder. Great reminder. Yeah, I'm co-hosting the yeah the Market Meetup Liverpool. So if you live in and around Liverpool, we do that every other month. It's normally the third Tuesday in the month. So it'll be like, what are we, in July, August? So it'll be like third Tuesday in September, then the third Tuesday in November, that type of stuff. So if you live nearby, get yourself along to that. It's a, it's an evening thing, just two hours. Dead chilled out. Yeah, it's like the networking for people who hate hate networking. So it's we have a, a talk and free pizza and free drinks and stuff, and that's all through Joe Glover's marketing meetup, which is ace. Um, and if you want to hear me do a, a talk as well, I'm, I'm speaking at CopyCon in London on the 20th of October. So any copywriters out there, I suppose, I'm doing a talk on where to find the funny in your copy, even when you're writing for a really boring brand, which I've, I've done a little bit of that over the years. Yeah, um, yeah I'll, be, I'll be speaking there. So like I said, I never stop plugging myself. Well, we'll link to both of those. So that third Tuesday in September, just so our listeners know, is the 19th of September and then the 20th of October at CopyCon. We'll stick a link in the notes for that too. So Dave, listen, mate, thank you so much for for coming back. It's been ace. I've loved it. Yeah, my pleasure, Giles. Yeah, nice one for asking me again. It's my favourite podcast. Oh, soundbite. Soundbite alert. I'm having that. There you go. (laughs) And uh, finally, thank you to everyone listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do share and review the pod. Keep your questions and guest requests coming in. To get in touch, it's easy to find Gasp online, or you can just email call to action at gasp.agency. Try, and I try, and I try.